0: Hey, Shocker fans, want the latest on Wichita State Athletics? Let's go right to the source with Shocker AD Kevin Saul.
1: And we begin hour number two as we do every other week with Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director, well into year number one on the job. Kevin, we appreciate you joining us today. Welcome back into Sports Daily. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're doing well. We're uh, we're getting ready. We're sort of in that crossover. Uh, we've got, you know, bowl games set and everything else. For Wichita State, it's all about hoops, of course, right now. Two interesting things happening. Uh, the Shocker men uh, with a couple of tough matchups on a losing streak. I, I don't know if we feel terrible about because they've looked good in both games, or at least relatively speaking. And you've got the Shocker women right now on a six-game win streak. Uh, on fire as they get ready for a couple of big road contests so uh, a busy time interesting time for you guys up in the winter sports
0: season yeah absolutely and uh, I think both of those uh, pathways that I, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, uh, certainly have some some positives, guys and certainly have some things that we need to work on and and all those I, you know we will never get to the finish line you talk about a uh, women's basketball program that's that's off to an absolutely great start, and uh, I'm certainly proud of what Keitha and her staff are doing, and and uh, and our young ladies, and the strength of our non-conference schedule will ratchet up a little bit with uh, with St. Louis, and then obviously we go up to Lawrence to play Kansas, and that will ratchet it up significantly. As we continue to bro to grow all of our programs, it's going to be really important that we intentionally. Uh, put together schedules that will garner at-large bids. And so we're going to look to, in future years, certainly improve our non-conference strength of schedule um, in women's basketball as we grow, and that's just part of it. Um, but it's been a great start and certainly enjoy the, the winning aspects of that, and um, and we'll continue to watch those guys. They, they've they got St. Louis, um, let's see, tomorrow night uh, in St. Louis, and then they go to Kansas on uh, on the 11th.
2: Kevin, looking at men's basketball, I know you're not a moral victories guy. You've said as much on this show before, but I've been really uh, pleasantly happy with the way that the Shocker basketball team has responded after that game against Alcorn State a few weeks ago with just the toughness that they're playing with. Uh, What is your assessment of the way that this team has grown? I know it might not look that way on the final scoreboard, but how do you feel about the effort, the intensity, all of that, that this team has shown?
0: Well, I think the guys are working really hard. And if we rewind back, let's first go and look at what coach Brown and his staff have done from a recruiting standpoint. We have a roster of hardworking um, young men that are dedicated to each other that are willing to make the, the effort and energy plays uh, there certainly is a a great collection of talent um, on our roster. There's no question about that, to be competitive in the games that we've been competitive with and in. I think, you know, as, it, as I've walked through with some of the, the best coaches that I've ever worked with, there's... Some unifying thoughts as it comes to winning. First and foremost, you've got to have the right people there. You've got to have the talent and and the ability to go win ball games. You've got to have a, a very qualified and dedicated and um, educated uh, coaching staff that has the ability to maximize that talent in whatever whatever pathway exists for that particular season. And then you also have to learn how to win. And it's one thing to learn how to close. Out games and winning. It's an entirely other thing to learn how to sustain winning, and then it's an entire another skill to win when you're expected to win. And so, um, I think our guys are learning um, that the margin is so incredibly thin uh, between a, a win and a loss, and winning plays in winning time and winning moments. Are ultimately what, what gets you to that spot, whether it's the timely offensive rebound or the reduction of turnovers and steals um, or uh, that, that one effort and energy play or that, that free throw or whatever the case may be, uh, understanding that you can just as well lose a game in the, in the 16th minute of the first half as you can in the fourth minute of the second half. And so uh, it, it's understanding that you've got to put 40 minutes together um, all the way through to, to, to have an opportunity to win, number one, to close out wins. And then obviously sustaining winning is a is a commitment to that for 40 minutes from game to game to game. Um, so I think our young guys are learning. Um, I certainly don't want to be talking all year about having 12 new guys on the roster. At some point, we've got to, we've got to move beyond that. And you're right, we don't do, um, you know, um, Moral victories. And so at the end of the day, we got to find a way uh, to close those games out. So we've got Longwood here uh, on Saturday at three, and I certainly look forward to that. And then we've got uh, this week is finals week. Uh, We've got Mississippi Valley State uh, on the 13th. And then we've got, again, another, what will be a very similar game to Kansas State and Missouri, another great challenge in front of us with Oklahoma State. So the question becomes hey, can we? Can we make those small effort energy? Can we execute the half-court offensive set when we really need a score? And where are we going, and how's that, how's that going to come about? So um, I think our guys are working hard at it. Uh, there's certainly a dedication and a spirit and energy and practice uh, for that. And uh, this is all a part of the growth and maturation process of the team.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that seems apparent is this team has the right attitude. They're certainly adopting the shocker attitude. These should be tune-up games at home uh, for the team to get ready for Oklahoma State. It seems, too, like they've been able to correct or get better at just about everything except turning the ball over. The team continues to turn the ball over too much. Um, Is that in all of your years of covering this level of college basketball? Is correcting turnovers something that can happen, or is that something that's inherent in the style of the players that are playing?
0: Well, I think you got to work hard at it, right? Because the, visiting, the, the teams that we will compete against, obviously there's enough video out there now that we certainly have to be able to address the ball security components. Um, I was a little bit surprised that we ran up against a Kansas State team that didn't press us full court. Um, based on some of the history and what we've put on video earlier this year. At the same time, you know, I think that's just got to be one of those identity components that we've got to get better at is ball security. And I use more general term ball security, which in in my mind, not only covers turnovers, but also speaks to the rebounding piece. You know, if we can be a consistent uh, outperformer of our opponent on the offensive and, and defensive glass, in my mind, that's just as much at ball security. Um, and and um, limiting the the possession, turning over to to your opponent, and so yeah, we got to get better in that. To have twenty turnovers and thirteen of those steals, um, it's tough to win ball games that way. And uh, we scored eighteen points in the second half in Manhattan after I think we had a half point uh, halftime lead of three. We scored eighteen in the second half. We've got to be better uh, than that from an offensive production perspective, and we have been. That's the trick, is we have been better than 18 points um, in a half. Um, I think we scored five in the last 10 minutes. I looked at the the, uh, the play-by-play post game, and I think you had three different uh, scoreless droughts that totaled up to about 10 minutes. And so that's a piece that we have to avoid. You're not going to win a whole lot of ballgames if we're not scoring for a quarter of the ball ballgame um, and we're turning it over. So certainly those are areas we all needed to address. We understand that component, and our guys are working hard at it.
2: Yeah, following up on that, Kevin, what do you think the identity offensively of this team can be or should be? Um, we know that they are an intense defensive team. Uh, we know they can hold teams down and, and keep them from scoring and force turnovers and, and that sort of thing. But what do you think the best path to avoiding those scoreless droughts can be?
0: Well, again, I'm not a basketball coach, guys. I'm a, I'm a director of athletics that's seen a lot of basketball. So, obviously, <laughs> right. I, I trust our coaches and our staff um, to, to put together that game plan. What I have seen as a uh, biased observer is I have seen an offense that, that does well in motion. I've seen an offense that does well with components of dribble, dribble drive. Uh, to find that lane or that pocket in the zone and penetrate a zone and then and then set up your teammates for high-percentage shots. Um, I've seen us knock down shots, whether it's 10 three-pointers in a game or a field goal percentage of mid- to upper 50s. Um, so we, we certainly have the pieces there. I think it's really honing in on your system. We've got some unbelievable coaches. I mean, Coach Brown certainly understands it. Um, Coach Kennedy understands it. Um, is how do, you, um, how do you lean on the things that you do really well? We motion pretty well. We've got pretty good size. We've got good height and length. And so how do you capitalize on those assets to, to turn a, an offense into a much more efficient office, offense? And those guys are working really hard at it. So I think there's a lot of things that we can do well. Um, we've got to get to a spot where we're very confident in them. Um, and then we've got to be willing to adjust, right? Because that's the beauty of sports. When you, when you can hit the inside fastball, guess what? They're going to start throwing you breaking balls on the outside of the plate. And uh, you got to be prepared to adjust uh, to that as well. And so we've got a good group of guys that I think can adjust. They need a little confidence. Uh, in terms of the ability to close out a win and then understand what it takes to sustain winning. And then uh, the last piece is winning when you're expected to win, um, particularly in, in key matchups. So uh, we'll continue working way through it.
1: Let's bounce back to the women for just a second. Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director, joining us. It's taken some time um, to get the program on the right track. Certainly there was... Uh, A a rocky history uh, to get to this point. But 7-1 and is as good a run as we've seen in this new era of Shocker women's hoops. It's exciting. I think people are starting to feel hopeful about it. Uh, This is a tough portion of the schedule coming up, though, right into conference play. What's the vibe like there at Coke Arena and inside the facilities for women's basketball? Is this group starting to believe this? Um, are they, you know, is this, is this real? Does it feel real to you and what you're seeing there?
0: Well, I think, look, there's, you, you, you've got to look at this thing. Uh, if you take a step back, obviously the seven and one is, is fantastic. We're on a six game, uh, winning streak since an overtime loss at Omaha. And that piece is critically important. And, um, we, we need support in, in the building, in the arena, and we've done some, I think we've done some nice things to try and draw in our, our families and young people um, to be a part of our women's basketball program. Guys, we've got a K-through-College initiative where basically kindergarten through college is free uh, at Coke Arena. So you have the ability as parents with, with your, your young children that the children get in free. And uh, we've got some very marketable and affordable concessions um, as well, as you guys, we've covered um, that we've kept our concessions pricing flat this year. um, And in some cases have reduced the athletic department's uh, commission to do that um, because there is the manpower and the, the supply chain and all those issues that continue to make things more expensive. But we recognize that we need to create a fan friendly entertainment, family-friendly environment. And I think we have that at women's basketball, and we have a good product on the floor. As I mentioned before, we will continue from year to year to, to make strong efforts to ratchet up our non-conference strength of schedule. That certainly is a component to creating an at-large team sheet. It is also a, 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 a proponent of creating exciting matchups at home. Um, and so we're going to continue to work with our coaching staff to, to make sure that we get that done. And we got a few more non-conference games, and then obviously we get we get in the middle of it. We've got, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we're on the road this week: St. Louis and Kansas, and then we host Southern, Wyoming, South Carolina State, and then we're in the conference play uh, December 30th against Cincinnati. So um, I, I think we've been um, solid in the non-conference. I'd like to see us have a little bit uh, stronger uh, strength of schedule, and we're working on that as we we plan out the 23-24. Uh, season that better prepares us for league and then uh, we'll see where we are in league. I think our young ladies will have great confidence as they enter the league and, and certainly think they have the ability to be competitive in the American for sure.
2: Kevin, I think we'd be remiss to not mention the volleyball team wrapping up their season with a loss in the first round of the NIVC to Grand Canyon. Uh, The the Shocker volleyball team finished their season with a record of 18 and 13. They ended conference play really well with four uh, wins in a row against Tulsa, Cincinnati, SMU, and Memphis. How do you assess uh, the job done this season by Chris Lamb's crew?
0: Well, as we've talked about it a bunch, right, guys, on your show, it's a younger group. you know, five freshmen, eight sophomores, four juniors. Um, we had one individual, Lily, that uh, celebrated senior day. And so we've got an opportunity to bring back a more veteran squad next year. So as you walk your way through that, you, you, you look at the competitive results throughout the season. Um, you know, beating a, an Iowa State team early on um, in a five-set match, uh, beating Wyoming at their place in a five-set match. Um, there's some 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 pockets of real excellence there, and then there's some some pockets there where you would say, "Yep, we got a younger team um, that that needs to understand uh, what it means to to win when you're expected to win and how to do that." Uh, we entered conference play, and I thought we're very very competitive. It was very clear that there were um, two or three teams at the top of the league that really were the class of the league, um, and then you had a couple of teams that that might have been in a a second tier before you got to that, that bottom tier, uh, in the league. And there's no doubt about it. The entire league schedule, uh, both us and SMU were in that, in that second tier in that, in that fourth and fifth type spot and, um, third, fourth, fifth type spot. We were battling back and forth. And so I was really proud of the way that our, our ladies finished, um, conference play and, into to beat SMU who came to our place and, and won, that was a significant match, um, and that that certainly helps with the growth and, and maturation of this team. So as we entered in the the option for postseason guys, the the American Athletics Conference is uh, one of several conferences nationally that doesn't have a postseason tournament. Um, it is one of, it is our only sport at Wichita State where the student athletes do not have the opportunity to compete in the postseason in the AAC. And so if you think about that, as you as you journey through a regular season, um, you're either going to be the conference champion or you're going to have it at large. And, and the American got two into the, the NCAA tournament, so uh, third and beyond did not have an opportunity to compete in the postseason. Well, again, take into account everything we've talked about. Young team needs to learn how to compete, understand what it is competing in postseason play. We felt like it was de- important as a department to invest and to spend dollars on a postseason experience for our volleyball student athletes in the NIBC, and that is an expense um, for us to do that. And our young ladies were incredibly appreciative of the opportunity to compete in the postseason. We ran up against a buzzsaw with with Grand Canyon, and and man, they were able to dig the ball really well and defensively. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Um, it was a different team than we played all year, and. Uh, while it wasn't the result that we wanted, I think we, we got an opportunity for this young group to compete in the postseason that I think will pay dividends as we uh, win American League championships and or get into the NCAA tournament as an at-large and compete in NCAAs uh, in the years to come. That will benefit us.
1: All right. Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletics Director, joining us each and every other week here on Sports Daily. We always appreciate the time. Kevin, we know you guys are busy. Uh, as we get closer and closer to conference play. Thanks for the visit. We'll do it again in a couple weeks.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Go Shockers.
1: All right, there goes Kevin Saul. If you missed any of that conversation, you can go back and listen at kfhradio.com. We'll continue next. Tommy and I have some college hoops to get into from last night. K-State winners, they covered, they did what they needed to do despite an early deficit and some other uh, pretty good games on the matchup. We'll talk about that and more when Sports Daily returns. Welcome back, everybody, Sports Daily. Appreciate Kevin Saul for joining us there and Brian Haney in the first hour. You can always find those uh, on KFHradio.com if you missed any part of those conversations. Uh, Tommy, K-State hoops last night, even though it, by, by what I could tell, never made it on to ESPN Plus like it was supposed to, so we couldn't watch it, unfortunately. Very weird thing that uh, appeared to happen there. Um but they did a good job. They got down early, actually, to Abilene Christian, which is not good, but then they stormed back, got most of that back. In fact, they got all of it back in the first half and then were very comfortably dominant in the second half on their way to a 17-point win. I think the Vegas line was like 12, so they covered that. They got it done, and it was a different guy, you know, leading the way offensively in David Gasson, who had 23 points on 9 of 9 shooting, they continue to show us, I think, Tommy, and we're beginning to see the you know, the rotation play itself out, the group of guys that are going to be relied upon here. But in that group, we're seeing other guys step up and some versatility offensively for this team that I do think will be handy for them once we get into conference play.
2: There's a good amount of talent on this team. We spent some time yesterday talking about the story of Keontae Johnson on this team. Um, And, of course, David um, Gasson and and shooting nine of nine from the field, 23 points in 33 minutes of action uh, is awesome. But then how about Marquise Noel? Uh, You know, Noel, I think coming into this season, we talked multiple times about how he was basically the main known quantity coming back for this team. And at least we knew the talent level that Noel has. He was a couple of rebounds away from a triple-double. 15 points, 12 assists, six rebounds. Um, you know, he played great last night against Abilene Christian. And so the fact that they've got, you know, the the handful of guys, the couple of guys in Johnson and Noel that, you know, night in and night out uh, are going to be the leaders of this team. And then you can have other players step up like Gasson and others, you know, who can you know from one night to another maybe they're going to be the leading scorer who knows that gives Jerome Tang a lot of options for production on this team
1: yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be a blast i think for them this year compared to what we thought you know i again i don't know where it ends up this year but i think You know, look, before this all, and and I remember this, like, cautioning people, like, hang tight because this year we don't know what could happen this year. And this was before Keontae Johnson came in. But it was like, look, everyone's excited about Jerome Tang. How could you not be excited about Jerome Tang? I mean, he literally checks every box you want, has the energy, has been putting in the time with the students on campus to reinvigorate this thing. But it was always a question of, when they lost Nigel Pack— how good can this team actually be? They lost an, a borderline All-American, right? And they brought in a bunch of guys we don't really know outside of Marquise Noel and Ishmasud. Well, then they get some guys, and then they get Keontae Johnson, and it's like, well, hang on a minute. They actually might be able to be pretty good this year. And it's playing itself out on the court. How good that is, I, I still don't know. But compared to the unknown, I think this is leaps and bounds ahead of the unknown, I think we know that we're going to get a competitive team. Where they fall into the Big 12, time will tell. Speaking of the Big 12, last night, Texas in the national spotlight against Illinois, a fantastic game, goes to overtime. Illinois and Brad Underwood get the win. Texas looked good, though, um, in and showed out well, just fine. But a big win for the Big 10, a big win for Illinois and Brad Underwood. The Big 12 is going to be good. That game was great. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, the, the Jimmy V classic brought two good games. I thought Duke was in the second game I actually caught more of the Duke, Iowa game than I did the, the Texas, Illinois game, just because of timing and some other things, but good basketball this time of year. I think, I think Texas is still right there where I thought they were Tommy, which is probably top 10 program where in that, I don't know, but somewhere in that it looks like they're they're for real.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of parity this time of year in the top 10. Um, You've know, you got Houston as the number one team in America, Texas at number two. We're going to see teams lose uh, in non-conference, especially depending on the level of competition that they're playing. Um, I think Texas is a really good team. Chris Beard has got a really good program. Um, I I said it yesterday. I I don't think that they are the number two team in America. They might be right now, but I don't think that we're going to see that long term. Of course, they lost to a really good Illinois team last night. But I think it just shows that there are a lot of really exceptional basketball programs right now. And, uh, you know, it it happens this way every single year where you're kind of just jockeying for position in the top 10, at least where there can be arguments made for a handful of teams you know, to be number one or to be in the top five and really things will start to, you'll really be able to know who's, you know, the, the cream of the crop, who's going to rise to the top, uh, in America once we get into conference play. But yeah, you know, Timmy Allen had 21 points. He played the entire, well, he played 40 minutes of basketball throughout b- uh, regulation and overtime. So he was on the court, uh, more than anybody else for the Longhorns and put up 21 points. Uh, they've got veterans on that team. We talked about it yesterday and Tyrese, uh, Hunter. And of course, um, uh, Marcus Carr so they've got they've got players Chris Beard has players on that program they're going to be um, a force to be reckoned with in the Big 12 and I think that this conference is interesting because of the level of talent that all of these teams have and so we certainly didn't project and I don't think anybody projected Kansas state to be in this position right now in the non-conference when you look at them compared to all the other big 12 teams. And that's why I think when you go through all of these teams in this conference, once you get into big 12 play, I don't know if there's a team in the conference outside of Kansas state that has more intrigue surrounding them. Like what are we seeing here from the wildcats and Jerome Tang? Can they compete in the big 12? Once you get into conference play, can you, can we see them potentially finish in the top half of the big 12? Um, uh, I don't know. And I, I, I'm, they certainly have the talent to do so from what we've seen through the non-conference. So, you know, time will tell, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it, it's, um, it's interesting. I, I think I agree with that. The, 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 the variety of outcomes is all over the place. And, and there were a couple, uh, that I, and I don't remember who specifically are I would give them the credit of people that follow the program closely that thought this team had a chance to finish near the top. Now I don't know that I believe that still, but I certainly don't believe that they're for sure going to finish at the bottom. And, and that's, that's a testament to playing right now. They're, they're not going to play a ton of good games. uh, Really the rest of the way they'll get incarnate word, they get Nebraska and Radford before they get into the conference. So they should just cruise right on through. They need to beat Nebraska um, and then they get into the Big 12, and we'll find out. But it's certainly a good start. I think you know the Nevada win I keep looking back to is a good win. Uh, LSU's a good win. They lost the game to Butler, which is unfortunate. I think when the dust settles, we'll look at Wichita State as a pretty good win. Um, and and we'll see. And we'll get into conference, and and away we go. Um, just kind of looking around the rest of the college basketball landscape last night, I I saw Duke, and that class that they have is just remarkable in John Shire and year one and all of those things. Filipowski is going to be an NBA guy. He, he checks all the boxes. He's, he looks like he's going to be really, really good basketball player at whatever level it is. Um, Mark Mitchell has his ties to sunrise Christian, which of course we watch a little bit. I see Duke. Tommy as a team that probably at the end of the year, and it's going to take some time and they're going to take their lumps. But by the end of the year, I think the way this team's built, the size that it has, the you know the leadership and the experience at the guard positions that they have, I think by the end of this, I think Duke's going to be outstanding uh, and a real contender for a national title. Even though they've had some missteps early on,
2: they have a ton of talent. Um, I mean, it's a, crazy, young talent, young yeah. talent in Filipowski, uh, Mark Mitchell. But then, yeah, you look at the young talent and it's it's awesome. But then the veteran presence and Jeremy Roach and, you know, what he's been able to do for this Duke team, you know, especially last night. he had The Granderson
1: points. dude they brought over. Yeah. He was good last night and clutch and like kind of steadied yeah. the ship for them. They have a lot of pieces that I think are going to fit together really well.
2: Yep. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned this when, uh, you know, early in the season when we were previewing uh, the Champions Classic and we were previewing Duke and Kansas and that matchup. Uh, this Duke team, the John Shire led Duke team will go where Jeremy Roach goes. They have a ton of young talent in Mark Mitchell and Filipowski. We know all of that, but when Jeremy Roach is on, that's when Duke is the best version of themselves. And, you know, I think that we saw that last night against Iowa with his 22 points, uh, Duke, when, you know, they're playing at their best, that means Jeremy Roach is playing at his best.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm with you. That and that's almost always the case when you get to late in the season. You need you need experience at the guard position. Um and, and the great teams almost always have a Duke Will. And and their young guys are just gonna keep getting better too. Uh they they look good. Iowa was a nice story. That was that was good basketball last night. I really enjoyed all of that. Yeah, Dickie V's return. Um and, and look, I'm I'm in on Dickie V, right? I and I his story. With all the money he's raised and his quirkiness as a broadcaster, which I have always loved, um, has now come full circle as he's you know, fought cancer twice. That that was a really uh, nicely done, not too much taking away from the great basketball that was being played broadcast. And I, I thought ESPN did a really nice job with all of that last night. It, it was enjoyable to me anyway. But I've always been a Dickie V fan. Uh, I, I enjoy his... I, I enjoy all of them. I like... You know uh, Rafferty, and I, I loved John Madden, and I love the guys that add just a little bit of personality and flavor to it. Because when You're I'm a watching Bill a game, guy too, right? Absolutely, yes. I want some flavor. I I really don't. It depends. I need both. I do need somebody to give me some analysis. I think Jay Billis is great too. I think he does a great job of blending it. I need some analysis, but the reality is I, I I rarely need somebody to break down zone versus man versus offensive sets as much as I do for somebody to just bring flavor to the experience and entertain it. That's why I think Tony Romo's done a really nice job. He does both. Just give me a little personality. Look, you're, you're young. When you can connect a voice and a guy to a sport like you can with some of these guys. And Dickie V's way out ahead of Bill Walton, by the way. Bill Walton's got his own niche, and I'm 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 with it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's fine. But Dickie V's been synonymous with the sport of college basketball for a long, long time. And I'm really happy he was able out to get out there because I think his story now means as much as anything uh, for for the fight he's trying to fight off the court. But it was good to see.
2: Yeah, I, I have a ton of respect for Dick Vitale, and a ton of respect for the work that he's done throughout right. his entire career. And he seems like a genuinely good guy. Um, that being said, I can't listen to him. Uh, I I just can't, and I haven't been able to in a while. Um, I'm the opposite of you. I can't. I can't do Bill Walton. Um, Rafferty grinds on me. I'm glad that I typically only have to listen to Rafferty, you know, during March Madness. Um, So I would say that, you know, I think the best analyst is Jay Billis and and what with what he brings to the table. Yeah, he might be a little vanilla, but I like that. I, I don't necessarily need. I feel like the action in basketball is on the court and that's where the excitement should be and not necessarily you know, the analyst or the broadcaster for that. So, um, again, I, do, I don't want to disparage Dickie V and what he's done for the game of college basketball. He's an icon. He's an ambassador. He's a legend. He's all of that. Um, ton of respect for him. And, of course, he went through, you know, a, a big health battle uh, recently. Sure. So, yeah, it's good that he's back. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of his style, you know, when he's broadcasting.
1: I'm team wacky broadcaster. I'm team wacky color guys. I, I think they add to it. It's funny
2: to me, like I think it's a little ironic that you're you're on that bandwagon because I don't listen to you and think you're a wacky broadcaster. Is that like do you live vicariously through that? I would. Like, be, how come you're well, not you know, more I'd wacky be, yourself? I,
1: I've I, I would never be leaned on as a color analyst. I'd be leaned on as a as a play by play guy to help navigate the the game. Anyway, I didn't play, um, you know, at a level high enough. John Madden is the goat of color analyst he reinvented things in a way and gave you the x's and o's when you needed them but more often than not entertained everybody that was watching that game by circling the butt sweat of the offensive lineman. that's the <laughs> stuff but but it's true like you watch a game and i, I can remember because he and Pat Summerall were on so many Cowboys games during their great dynasty, just because that's, you know, they were the NFC, all that kind of stuff. And I remember watching games and, and everybody in the house, if we were at a family function, didn't matter if you were a football fan or not. Everybody was watching and entertained by John Madden. And then you also had the diehard football fans. College basketball, certainly not to the level that everybody's watching like the NFL. But if my mom were watching a college basketball game she would be more into the game because of a colorful analyst like Dick Vitale. I'm watching either way. I don't really care. Yeah, I can watch it on mute if I need to. Uh, But I, I just enjoy anybody that adds something to the broadcast. A stale analyst trying to break down the intricacies of a zone defense when I'm watching on television. It's a little bit different on radio. Because you do need the visual images, but when I'm watching it, I don't always need somebody to tell me what I'm seeing. I can see it. I need somebody to add something else.
2: Uh, I, I and, think you though know, that you could you could take a couple of pages from those guys and incorporate a little bit more wackiness in your broadcasts. I don't think that that's out of the question. Uh, yeah, I probably. I don't think I mean, mind. look, like you know, you you introduced uh, a dad joke on this program for like yeah, a I keep day. Getting those for like a day and then you stop doing it. I mean, like that's yeah. the wackiness that I feel like you could incorporate a little bit more.
1: You and Jad didn't seem as entertained by those as you should be, which should be the reason I tell them more often. <laughs> um, I've got a treasure trove of them. Uh, I just, I, I need to, I do need to bring that back. i I work with a guy and every day we try and fire one back and forth on at, at the TV station. Every day we try and fire one back and forth, uh, to see if we have heard it. Um, there's a line there too of inappropriate joke because I'm definitely I come from a family of all bets are off when it's a joke. There is no level of inappropriate joke. I, my mom in church has made plenty of priests blush by the jokes that she'll tell them. Um, so like I, I have to be careful too with what's allowed to be said in dad jokes and what's uh, what's not. So yeah, we'll we'll see if we can get dad jokes back. We'll, we'll I'll, I'll I'll work on that and. I don't know, wackiness to me has to come naturally. I'm not ever gonna fake any of that kind of stuff. Uh all right, let's give something away. Let's let's do that for the listeners now. 869-1240. Tommy, we've got some thunder tickets. Uh what are the deets on this?
2: Yeah, so uh a big game coming up is December 23rd. It's a Friday night. Right before Christmas, it's our annual Meet Santa game. Uh, so he'll be there to take pictures with the kids and do all of that. So we'll give away a four-pack of tickets to that game on the 23rd of December at Intrust Bank Arena. All right, so there's those tickets.
1: We'll also throw in a couple of free iced tea cards from HTO Open West near 13th and Tyler and the grand opening of our East location. You'll see me out there Friday if you want to stop by and say hi. At 127th and 21st, Uh, you can use those at either location. Four pack of Thunder tickets, couple of free iced tea cards. We'll do that to the third caller here during the break. Tommy, do you know why the uh, bike fell over? Uh, I don't. It was too tired. We'll be right back on Sports Daily. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. Uh, Tommy, just a couple minutes here. Congratulations, by the way, to Mark from Newton, who won our Thunder tickets and HTO giveaway. Uh, we also gave away some movie tickets to the new Avatar movie a little bit earlier in the show. We'll continue to do that here until next Thursday. So uh, stay tuned for your opportunities to win. We love giving stuff away here on the program as you spend some time with us during your day. A couple NFL notes, Tommy. Uh, before uh, we get wrapped up here. We mentioned this yesterday. Baker Mayfield not headed to the 49ers, but the Rams instead, which is interesting. Um, The 49ers appear to be rolling with Brock Purdy. We get the news yesterday that Jimmy G could be back in time for the postseason uh, if that happens for the Niners, which it will. Um, I think that's probably a better play than knowing Jimmy G would be back for the postseason to just roll with Brock Purdy. And here's the reason, Tommy. I'm not convinced that Trey Lance is the future for San Francisco. So they get sort of a rare and unique opportunity here to see a young guy play. You know Jimmy G's coming back when the games matter the most. Uh, to me, that's a better option than a retread of Baker Mayfield. For the Rams, Baker Mayfield actually does probably make some sense uh, to sort of try to stabilize things there and, and get him in and and just – maybe take a shot in the dark with an otherwise sort of talented roster if they can catch lightning in a bottle. But I think both of those make sense. And I think for the 49ers, if Jimmy G is in fact back by the postseason, they're actually probably going to be okay because I think they can get enough done until then that they'll be in playoff position either way.
2: Well, look, you know, I think Brock Purdy, um, all he has to do is, you know, continue to let the forty nine er talent around him shine yep. um, with with McCaffrey which, and, and which, Ayuk in a lot of Samuel ways, is what Kittle. Jimmy G does, isn't it? Sure. I mean, that's
1: that, that's what Jimmy G's there to do.
2: Sure, absolutely. And so that's literally all he has to do. They've got a a one game lead over the Seahawks. uh, But from a talent perspective, they're head and shoulders above Seattle. You know, Seattle's a nice story. And what Pete Carroll has done with Geno Smith, that's great. They should be a playoff team, a wild card team. uh, but, But the 49ers, from a talent perspective, they're better than Seattle is. So Brock Purdy just has to, you know, steer the ship with the talent around him for the rest of the regular season, let Jimmy G come back, you know, and, and take them through a playoff run. Um, I don't think that Brock Purdy necessarily is the future of the 49ers either at quarterback, but his no. job is in front of him and what he needs to do. It's very simple. Let the stars around him shine. I think he can do that.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. And I and I don't know that he's the – I'm not saying he is the future. Right? But we've seen him for like three quarters of an NFL career. Yeah. I do know, though, if – had his senior season or his last season at Iowa State not gone so upside down as it did for everybody there, he would have been a much higher NFL draft pick. So there is some pedigree there. And it's more about like is Trey Lance the future? And he's got to come back from injury too. They've already told us they don't want Jimmy G to be the future, right? They tried to get rid of him, (laughs) then he he stayed. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I do think they're good enough in other places that they'll be just fine. Um, That's it. Those are the two big NFL stories uh, that we wanted to touch on real quickly. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the network today when Sports Daily finishes up this Wednesday edition.